I'm Riker, and this is Pilot. I see a red door and I want it painted black. No colors anymore, I want them to turn black. I've seen people turn their heads and quickly look away. Like an ugly ass baby, it happens every day. <laughs> you put your own stank on it. <laughs> oh Good. yeah, I can be stanky. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the theme song to Westworld. That's HBO's original mm. Westworld. It's our theme song for it. <laughs> All right, it wasn't so much a theme song, but we got a lot of it. We did, yeah. I, I appreciated that you picked it up because we just got the instrumental. Well, it was really cool, actually, what they mm-hmm. did, and I'm kind of glad we're hitting this up front because it's not really uh, prevalent to the plot oh, or the yeah. things we'll be reviewing. But it's they, frivolous, even. Well, they right, but it's a nice, nuanced thing that mm-hmm. they did that they snuck in rock and roll songs into the show's score, yeah, uh, and they disguised it as Western songs or in a Western style, like Old West, uh, like that somebody might be planking away on their guitar or their banjo or their or their old extinct stringed instrument whatever they had at the time yeah uh and then there's a part that was orchestral but it was a funny choice because they didn't need to do it so it was it was obviously very deliberate uh, and i just thought it was a nice little thing that they snuck in yeah absolutely but we got this whole thing during the shootout scene the old school old west shootout in the town Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, and I, I don't know if there was any relevance to it. You know, the white hats and the black hats that you get in a, in a Western, somebody just liked the song. I don't know. We got that yeah. and black hole sun. I have a feeling there was more that I might not have picked up on or that there will be more coming. If you're a fan of Westworld and listening to our show right now, and you know, some of the other songs that they snuck in there, uh, send us an email to pilotspodcast at gmail.com. That's pilotspodcast at gmail.com. So where do you want to pick up? This is our uh, final episode. Number eight and final. Yeah, number eight and final episode for this season. Anyway, uh, in the HBO Max showdown. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this ages (laughs) as our fan base increases. And then continues to build past the one billion person mark. That has been pretty impressive that we've done that. <laughs> yeah, good for us. <laughs> um, but anyway, our series on HBO Max Showdown, where we uh, do the hard work for you to help you decide if you should cancel or keep HBO Max. So we're going to give you our final assessment at the end of this episode. So listen to the whole thing or fast forward at the end. Uh, yeah, skip ahead. <laughs> Do what you got to do that makes this enjoyable for you. Yeah, Spotify makes it easiest to skip ahead and go back. I'm just saying. Spotify makes it really easy. You know who makes it kind of difficult? Who's that? Spreaker. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> that delights me. Thank hashtag you. fuck Spreaker. <laughs> that hashtag will never trend because nobody's ever heard of Spreaker. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> okay. So, let's assess our couch points. Mm-hmm. For our Streaming Wars section of our show. Yeah. uh, In which HBO Max describes this series thusly. (laughs) In this series, set in a futuristic Wild West fantasy park, 
a group of android hosts begin to deviate from their scripts. It's recommended that you watch this show at volume level 10. (laughs) Thanks. That's great. (laughs) This is our recommended volume level unless you like to party. Well, I mean, that, and that is with, you know, the laundry going on in the other room. If you don't have laundry going, I'd say like seven. bump that down to a seven. Yeah. yeah. Seven was easy. That was easy. On yours. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the uh, episode description, season one, episode one, the original series premiere. Back in the day, they would refer to this as a pilot. <laughs> I guess we're antiquated. <laughs> Whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> series premiere might have been a better title for this show. Because at up. least people would have an idea what premieres, premieres, <laughs> premieres. Maybe we'll do some alts. <laughs> we got to rework this. <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna lose some of our billion fans. It'll create a lot of brand confusion. <laughs> yeah, pilots wasn't confusing for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe this is a time. Hey, next season, look for us under a different name. Not sure what it is yet. <laughs> Question mark. Just <laughs> <laughs> Google Riker and Shmi. You'll find us. Maybe. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> Series premiere. Programmers at a visionary park worry over aberrant behavior by Android hosts. So, what do you think of our series description? Do you think HBO Max set us up well to enjoy the show that we're about to hit press play on? I gave that a white hat. Oh, just one? Well, yeah, it's a white hat or a black hat. You only hat. never need one, right? It's, yeah. It's binary, man. It's a white hat or it's a black hat. There are no gray hats. Uh, yeah, I agree. I thought that was really solid because it's such a um, it's such a slow burn of an episode too mm-hmm. that to come into it with a real clear idea, it's futuristic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Let's just hop into genre. Yeah, if you let's. don't mind, because and I would I would take mm-hmm. your I accept your review of one white hat and I will match you one white hat. Okay, and then for the episode description, I did give it a black hat because I felt like that was pretty whatever compared to the series description. Like, the series description did really well. The episode description was, eh. It, yes, that did happen. I don't disagree with the events as described. I just feel like they felt a little flat. I mean, we had a whole hour and eight minutes, you know, if we're counting. And uh, I, <laughs> I can't count that high, personally. I just felt that... You know, if we're if we're doing that, that uh, you know, give me more about what we're watching because there were A and B stories. That's one story. Uh, I was fine with it, yeah. so All I would right. give it a white hat. And you know what happens That's when fine. you combine a white hat with a black hat? What's that? You get a gray hat. No, you don't. You're right. You just get a black hat and a white hat kind of stacked on top of each other. I but think for you get a purposes, duel or whatever you call it, like a standoff. A sh- ooh, shootout. A shootout, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> a duel. I think it's a duel. I don't know. Yeah, if they were calling it a duel at that point. Yeah. Take 37 paces and call your mother. Um, we're going to call it a draw because, you know. <laughs> a draw. A draw. Uh, no, I was fine with it. It's, it is a nuanced plot i mean yeah. it's like where do you begin where would you end i i feel I mean, like they give us enough information to say to before you're hitting the play button to say okay futuristic world the hosts are getting a little funky so there's an ai storyline there's um hmm. okay i could be sold on that yeah all right i might trade my black hat for a, a dusty white one hey welcome to the good guys <laughs> thanks <laughs> 
So, genre. Uh, genre. I thought that our series description actually was re- right in keeping with my description of the genre, which was, I said futuristic, but mm-hmm. qualified that with a near futuristic. Really? I don't, I don't know how near it would be, but the people feel relatable. Like, it, it's not... I see what you're saying. It's not so far out there that you can't... Like, it's far out there enough so that they recognize the American West. Yeah. As the Wild West. It just doesn't feel attainable right now, like, by any means. No, no, no. But otherwise, the people, yeah, that I don't feel like they're in a future so unrelatable that, like, we wouldn't recognize it. Right. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So, I, a near-futuristic sci-fi drama in an Old West fantasy world. Uh, so, really, what we have here is a sci-fi drama. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, uh, you know, in terms of capturing, if you were to describe this, and I think maybe it's worth our time to qualify. When we say genre, I think what we mean is, give me the one-sentence sales pitch on this show, right? Like, give me the, I, I want to understand the tone, but don't ex- describe the plot to me at all. Like, what is this shit about? Well, and we kind of want to know the rules. Like, is there, exactly. can I expect magic? Is that part of the rules? Is this part of the convention of the show? Totally. Um, you know, if if they're going to deliver a line, should I expect that this is maybe a dream? Is that, you know, or are we going to be very serious? Like the tone, absolutely yeah. what you're saying with the tone, but kind of. Conventions playing, is a better word. Mm-hmm, I think. Playing fair. What basically. are my what are my rules that I need to understand before starting this? Is this something that interests me? So yes, it's a sci-fi drama, uh, but you need to know that it's near futuristic. And our mm-hmm. major setting is in a Wild West theme fantasy world. Yeah. Uh, and I think you get that, and you know that should be enough to at minimum know. I absolutely hate that idea, or uh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. But I thought it was real clear, pretty quick, too. We had an interesting opener, which we'll get to in a minute because we're immediately talking about characters. But how about you, genre? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like we are focusing on the more sci-fi elements that the um, Western is just kind of the storyline, but not really the conflict, if that makes sense at all. Because it doesn't feel like a Western. I was thinking that you get Western scapes, you get Western, you know, you got cowboy hats, you got got cowboy motif. Mm -hmm, Exactly. But it's just motif. But they still play on the tropes mm-hmm. of it all. So if they you do. don't like Westerns, I feel like you can like this equally well because it sort of pulls the veil up on tropey Western conventions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the black hats or the white hats. And say, okay, well, well, I could even find that sort of amusing as somebody who doesn't like Westerns. It's because I don't like Westerns that I like the Western aspects of it. Yeah. Uh, because the storyline really doesn't have anything to do with that. That sounds agreeable. Cool. We do lead in with the introduction, which is beautiful, all white, and is kind of the create. It, it kind of shows creation at a very basic level, the uh, creation of the things that these robots in the park. If you were just turning this on the first time, mm-hmm. uh, what we see, or this is just what I wrote, trying to put myself in the position that I'd seen it the first time. I've seen like five episodes of this show, full disclosure, and I've seen the intro like three times yeah uh, this is the third so uh, the intro for um, a fresh set of eyes human beings being manufactured in an artistic cerebral presentation that's not directly from the actual world of the show so it's artistic like an intro is artistic with a lot of montage yeah. things going on mm-hmm. um and we actually see some of what they show us there later, that that is how they create the robot. So that is some of the technology that they use, that they gave us this. It's like a beginning of a James Bond movie. 
where the uh, all the all the um, like a little music video at the beginning, but it's yeah. very cerebral, very pretty, like pretty impressive. Sets a uh, contemplative tone. To Absolutely. Me. Yeah, it's funny because Doom Patrol, which is also on HBO Max, ends up taking kind of a similar approach to their intro. And it's, you kind of see it, like the very small elements of each character or piece of the show. So like, you know, in this that shows the piano and how that becomes animated and how the horses are animated and how the people are kind of created. It's, I mean, it's it's very interesting and it's very... Um, it's it's awe inspiring. It really draws you in. It makes me very curious, um, and I appreciate it. Kind of as a I don't know. There's there's kind of a creator view that you're getting from it that these people are playing God, and that's very much the sense I got from it. Especially at all in, being in white, like these people are playing God. Yeah, I don't know. That was just it's my very take. ethereal. Mm-hmm. In that way, Absolutely. Sure. Um, so then we meet Dolores, and they start with she's in a. I don't know, a studio, a very techno- technological environment, um, sure, a, lab a lab of a sort, but like a more of a mechanical lab than a yeah. mixing potions together. Uh, she's naked and all bruised about the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it begins with, wake her up, I think they say, or bring her online, bring her online. Bring her online. So you're getting the sense right off that she's a robot. Yeah, they play pretty fair with that, I think. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, if I'm seeing this the first time, what's clear and what's not clear. That would have been pretty clear. Plus, it's in the description. Android hosts. Uh, So, I I think they're trying to give it to us without feeling like they're information dumping on us. And I think they do a really good job. Yeah. And they're asking her if uh, everything's consistent and normal in her world. If there's any... Basically asking her qualifying questions to make sure she hasn't become self-aware. Yeah, and it's actually is. a scripted line. I don't know if you noticed. They say it the same, you know, regardless of whether it was Bernie or the other guy who looks more militaristic, oh, and I yeah. can't remember, the security guy. Um, but spe- the question specifically was, have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Yes. And the follow-up question to that is, has anyone around you? So it's not just about her, you know, self-reporting on her own. It's reporting on those around her. Yeah. And, you know, the idea is that they're, you know, not supposed to have their own agency um, and will to deceive. So in theory, they should just be outing each other. So, you know, Peter Abernathy, for example, um, which is Dolores's father, should be fully willing to report on uh, Dolores and vice versa. In theory. Great. Yeah, well done. Actually, the first thing that I wrote on any of my cards, and I was looking for it because it was on a different card. I wrote it on my genre card because they say it out of the gate. So this is the, the uh, after they say bring her online, mm-hmm. they ask her, have you, you had it, you said it already. I don't mean to repeat it. Sure. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Important. That was yes. an important thing. And you're right. I know the guy you're talking about who's the security guy mm-hmm. later who says, have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Um, the question, the line of questioning goes on to ask, uh, is your life repetitive, inconsistent? Is your life repetitive? Are you seeing any inconsistencies, etc.? They ask about the newcomers. Quotey finger, there's a new term we just learned. They're the hosts. The mm-hmm. park attendees are the newcomers. What if I told you the newcomers pay for the experience um, that they're, you know, I'm, this is not a direct quote. They pay yeah. for the experience. Uh, you can't hurt them. They could do whatever they want to you. 
And I think that's when we get the Man in Black, Ed Harris character, which we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I don't want to jump. I think I'm jumping. But these things kind of lay on top of each other because they keep coming back to this line of questioning that's happening. But they tell us in there, what if I told you about the newcomers? So they establish the newcomers. They establish the conventions within this world. Mm -hmm. The newcomers are park attendees. They get to do what they want. uh, And you are here to give them a good time. This is what you're programmed and created for. So I thought they gave it to us in a really articulate yet creative way that wasn't overly direct where it was an information dump or a scrolling marquee of here is Westworld. Absolutely. There wasn't... I I appreciate the call out for the scrolling marquee because that was definitely one we've had recently. Um, Yeah, absolutely. The exposition was very obviously exposition, but very um, approachable and was not irritating or, um, I don't know, disrespectful to the audience, if that makes sense. There are times where it's just like, seriously, you're spoon feeding me this and I feel like a moron. You should feel like a moron. Like it was mature. For a mature mm-hmm. audience, and I felt like the the producers of the program showed their audience the respect of uh, enough intellect to figure out what they're trying to tell us. Exactly what I'm yeah. saying. And it was quite well done. Absolutely. So the guy that she's having the dialogue with is Bernard. It, they make it seem kind of secretive. It's just a mysterious opener. There's nothing secretive about it. He's like one of the chief programmers. A little uh, head bit, of programming, yes. There you go. He's a little bit socially not there uh, because he's a tech guy. Sure. I think. Um, I mean, he's a brilliant guy. Not that he's bad with people, but he, like when uh, later when Miss Cullen, the uh, executive management person. Uh, yeah, was, the one who seems to represent the shareholders yeah. and management. Yeah. The, the company, the corporation. Mm-hmm. She's the corporation. As far, yeah, as far as we can tell, she may as well be the CEO. Right. Um, when the writer is having his little tantrum with her and Bernard says, oh, that thing that you're doing with your eyebrow when you're angry, but you're holding back. He said, can I get my programmers to get a look at that? Like it's such a human detail that he wants to include Mm -hmm. with the androids. And she says some dismiss. No, they cannot. She says some dismissive thing to him. She goes, yeah, 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 like that. Do that again. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So he's not socially inept per se. He's just... A brilliant techie guy who's like deep into his projects and what he's yeah, got he's going kind on. of socially removed. There you go, because mm-hmm. he doesn't have a hard time communicating or conveying ideas. He's just not really in the. He's not an emotional guy, Mm-mm. and he's not in the emotion or really receptive to it. Other than taking a very designer's approach to um, observing human emotion. Yeah, and you had mentioned uh, Mrs. Colin's uh, relation to the writer. That was Lee. Uh, Lee Sizemore is the writer. Um, and he's very concerned with the, he at one point even um, has the, he wants to pitch to her, why are we even doing updates? Because they're call, causing so many issues. Um, you know, why are we trying to make this so lifelike? Um, she tells him, because he's clearly ass kissing. Yeah. He's ass kissing for, and he makes some really good points. He says, look, we're making the robots too sophisticated. Do women really, do women want to feel like their husbands are really fucking these fucking actual women? They want to know it's fake. Do they really want to feel like they murdered somebody? No, they want to know it's fake. And plus the robots are getting too hard to manage this way because Mm -hmm. they're too sophisticated. And this happens after Ford, who's the visionary, the Walt Disney character, um, 
includes what's what he calls a reverie. Yeah. Which is kind of a call like a physical tick, a visual cue. That's exactly that, what I would have called it. That links back to a history of these characters mm-hmm. uh, and experiences that they've had, which is what causes the ripple in this episode. Yeah, because they're accessing prior versions of themselves, uh, which I mean, like you're cleaning up, you know, this character for a specific storyline. Like imagine if this person is now accessing totally unrelated storylines, like what kind of chaos that's going to introduce into the current storylines. Like I just, I don't know. To me, it's, Ford must be a programmer, obviously. So <laughs> yeah. it kind of begs the question, why? why? Well, From a programming perspective, that makes no sense. In the conversation that the writer's having with Cullen, he says in his soft criticism, but very direct criticism mm-hmm. of Ford, he says, look, I admire the guy as much as everybody else. Oh, yeah. But his demons are going to chase him off a cliff or something mm-hmm. like that. Chasing chase him his off demons. The deep end. Yeah. So. The idea here, I think, is that Ford, for all of his brilliance and the business that was built around his vision, she's the one running the corporation. Uh, he's the one who's still the creative. He's still the creative mm-hmm. mind and creative control. And everybody seems to think that this, and I'm, I'm making some leaps here, yeah. but based on that line of dialogue, that this vision, uh, it's maybe past time that he steps back from his role. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's my understanding. Right. Well. Because his vision, his growing vision, where he's always chasing his demons or constantly haunted by these demons that we don't know much more about it than that at this point. We don't know anything about it other than that. But whatever seems to derive him tortures him, maybe, mm-hmm. and and sort of makes what should be a fun theme park thing that's now running itself sort of continues to make it way too complicated and way too deep. We're getting to the overarching plot here, mm-hmm. which is where the he's saying to her, look, basically, and I don't have a quote for this, um, but basically, uh, I'm, I understand that from a management perspective, uh, the management has a deeper um, interest here than just the theme park. And she says... The place is one thing to guests, another thing to its shareholders, and something completely different to management. Right. And I think, in effect, asks him, asks him, what is that that's so important to management? And he's stumped. And she says, I see. Like, there it is. Yeah. You're smart enough to guess there's a bigger picture, but not smart enough to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And then says to him, uh, not an exact quote, so you are of no fucking use to me. Mm-hmm. If you're not smart enough to figure out what it is and you don't actually know what the mission is I am that I'm on, you're just trying to further your career by showing how impressive you are and you ain't impressive enough because you haven't hacked the code of what the secret thing is that's going on here. Yeah. Well, and there's, I mean, there's a lot to uncover. There's a lot going on. So I'd be impressed to be honest, but um, because it takes the whole season, I will say to, to uncover what they're doing here. Like they've laid it out masterfully. Um, Cool. So that gives us, we've got Dolores, we've hit, Ford. Man in Black. some Lee. Let's, yeah, definitely. So, I was actually going to say Teddy we hit before Man in Black. Do you want to get him just a little bit? Well, I'll follow your lead on it. You go ahead. So the one thing to note with Teddy is that he kind of is the mm, mechanic which we use to show the repeat, the reset of each day. We see the park go through kind of the routine day. We see 
you know, Dolores waking up in the morning, the thing that she says to her father, she goes out to the market, she drops the same can of beans, it rolls over, and she has an interaction. The interaction changes, you know, from time to time. But so we're seeing the first time, the first iteration of this. And each time after that, we see a new day. And it's um, a new iteration of this one, if that makes sense. So we roll through it, and we get him, um, our Teddy, who is kind of the love... Yeah, the love interest, interest for that sure. they've given uh, for Dolores, um, which you know they they noted is kind of weird that they would pair off the, um, you know, the androids. Why would you do that? <laughs> mm. um, that it's kind of sad. But um, anyway, she later in this in this um, this iteration, she sees him die. Like he's killed in front of her, um, and then moments later you know like the next scene you see him waking up on a on a train like hey this happens all the time we just kind of clean him up and stick him back out there um i I thought that was interesting so So. when you say mechanic i realize as you were talking Mm -hmm. you the storytelling device exactly he's the storytelling device for us the viewer Mm -hmm. uh the introduction to the west world yes there is a guy when we see him what's his name marsden yes james marsden james marsden thanks for the call out yeah uh, when we see him on the train coming into town, one of the newcomers is talking to him about his experience as a newcomer. He's talking mm-hmm. to him. He's addressing him as an android, which he doesn't see himself as an android. He's programmed to... He's like the computer character in a video game who you go over to him and you and you try to have an interaction with him and mm-hmm. it's the same three yeah. lines that he's programmed to say, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, so the, the newcomer is having an actual interaction with him where he's saying, yeah, the first time I came up here, did the gold rush with the wife and kids. That was kind of fun. Uh, then he says... Came back again the next time. Went straight evil. Yep, went straight evil. Best two weeks of my life. That's that's telling about the Sin City style mm-hmm. environment that really brings out the worst in people or encourages them. Like in uh, the, the movie Hostel comes to mind where mm. these rich people pay to go to the private place where yeah. they could very discreetly murder somebody. Yeah. I mean, I know they're androids, but it's pretty sadistic still. Absolutely. And he's very comfortable. He's very flippant about it. But he's here, right? He's here in the place where he's comfortable going straight mm-hmm. evil and acting out his most weird fucked up fantasies. Absolutely. This is the safe place for it. Because mm-hmm. it's a choose your adventure type of interactive I love that as an world. idea, I have to say. Conceptually, oh, like the concept of the show alone is just so amazing. Like I, I haven't done any research on it before, so maybe I should know, but it, is it from a book? Is it like, it's what a cool concept. It feels very fleshed out. You've got a West world. You got mm-hmm. uh, pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> you got, uh... It just got a very strong narrative and it knows where it's going. Like to be able to tell the story and show us such a tiny piece of it means that it knows its bigger self so well before it shows any of it. You're talking about the show, the show. or the choose your adventure. Okay. Because what you're saying... Oh, you're talking about the show. I was... I'm sorry. I got confused. I was thinking that the idea of... A choose-your-own-adventure. An actual theme park like this. Mm -hmm. So fun. Oh, no. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be wild, though. Yeah. So then you'd go over to the the medieval world. You'd go to the futuristic Mm -hmm. world. It'd be like Disneyland where you got all your sections of the park. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Maybe some spinoffs. I don't know. I don't know what happens (laughs) next in this show. I mean, yeah. But... It's, that would make sense, though, if they have different storylines. He said, like, 200 different storylines. What if it's not always West? Right. Yeah. Uh, so the so that was Teddy. Yeah. Teddy, right. 
Uh, and then pretty early on, we get the man in black mm-hmm. who comes to Dolores's house to like rape and murder everybody or whatever I he's doing. I didn't see him rape anyone. He seems to be on a larger mission. Mm-hmm. He does disclose that he's been coming to the park for 30 years, which says to me already that he's just not interested in the curb appeal of this, which is to, you know, fuck kill whatever like that's just not what he's in it for sure he's still killing people and throwing women around and whatever um but that doesn't seem to be you know he's not in in it for the skin factor of it you know what i mean it's not the flesh desires it's like a a bigger puzzle he's after he's a serious player Mm -hmm. surrounded by like amateur league players absolutely so that early up early scene and i think we're still getting narration between bernard and dolores at this point yeah uh, where he's at the house, I think he just killed. And I, I'm sorry, you're right. He didn't rape anybody. I was thinking I couldn't remember where the, where the, creepy killer, the milk android, guy, the milk guy. It's the problem. So the thing is, and that's why I mentioned the mechanic with where Teddy kind of introduces that there's a loop that the day kind of plays out the same. That there are always kind of the same storylines that cycle through each day. So this milk thing. Is confusing because it's part of both storylines. There was right. the milk when we're seeing Teddy killed, um, that storyline, and then we're seeing it separately when um, there's a glitch after the update and there's the um, android that they end up retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, he feel he seems to feel a genuine connection or presents a genuine connection, however shallow, um, to Dolores. Yeah. This is Dolores, we've been doing this a long time. Ooh, they uh, gave you some new programming. They livened you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's fun. So Teddy comes and shoots Man in Black. The, there's no like actual impact when he shoots him. Yeah. It's uh, basically it misses or... It's like it goes through like it didn't really happen. Like it was fake. Oh, like they're blanks. Yeah. Well, you got the sense that boom, boom, you would have been hit here, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, he, and this is where he has the line that you were mentioning. Teddy and and talking about the loop that they're on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I never understood why they pair some of you up. Seems almost cruel. Mm-hmm. He said, but then I got to thinking that you know, if you're coming here to win the game, uh, there's got to be a loser, and I guess that makes you the loser. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly before he shoots and kills Teddy, yeah, uh, for the fifteen thousandth time, <laughs> and it seems to still enjoy it though. And that's what I thought. That kind of confused me a little bit. Because I feel like in shooting and killing Teddy, it should be like, yeah, 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 this ain't no big thing. Like, this is not really what I'm here for. Uh, shooting Teddy doesn't give me any, like, you shoot me and it doesn't hurt me. I shoot you and you're bang, bang, you're dead. Uh, this does not excite me. However, he still seems excited about it and says, oh, baby, it feels good to be back. So he's been away for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get him throughout the episode, but he's not really... Other than this scene, I don't feel like he's really... He's B-Story. Yeah, but and he's doing his he's doing his own his own adventure, right? Mm-hmm. He's going off script, too. So yeah. Can we just go ahead and get to the part where he where he uh, scalps... Sure, please the, do. The native, um, the native character who he says... He says that there's a deeper level to this game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I had that in my notes as mm-hmm. well. Uh and he's the only one, and this is me saying this to you, he's the only one playing the actual game. Yeah. So he says that ancient uh, cultures have ancient knowledge. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing here is that he's thinking that 
some Easter eggs of the actual game mm-hmm. uh, that is there to be found might be hidden with him. So he scalps the native yeah. character, the native uh, android host, mm-hmm. and sees in the scalp that there's a icon, a, a maze, maze, a map. Yeah, I took it as a as a maze that serves as a map. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if I would have caught that if I was just watching this fresh or if I did the first time. It seemed clear to me now, but maybe there's maybe it's revealing over the next couple episodes. This is... Uh, so, unlike you, I have not seen this... Despite having seen the whole series, I have not seen the pilot episode as many times as you. Oh. So, I've only seen it the one other time. And I do remember watching it and thinking, oh, okay. So, there's... It, it is a map and it's something deeper. So, I do feel like it was very clear from the get-go, which is really cool um, because it's kind of a complex um, idea. To plant so early. Yeah, I agree. You know, something deeper within this reality. Well, we stopped and paused so many times because Mm -hmm. they gave us a lot of information. Mm -hmm. Here's the mystery. Not here's what the conclusion is. Here's what the secret revealed is. It's not the reveal. It's just Mm -hmm. here's the mystery. Focus here. Um, So, but we're going to get into that. I have more to say about that when we get to the plot. So Perfect. that's a lot about uh, Ed Harris's character right now, who I think at this point is referred to as the man in black. We don't have him really referred to as anything. He is mysterious. He sees Dolores at one point at the point that he, he like apologizes. Sorry, Miss Dolores. I won't be stopping by tonight uh, to murder you and, and your boyfriend. Yeah. Um, which I kind of, what was can, that about? Yeah, I can kind of appreciate that. Well, you know, we're, you're here the next day. Like, like I enjoy that part of the, adventure with you guys because i really like your programs <laughs> i don't know super weird that's where i'm getting the sense that they really have some kind of connection there's some or he's connected to her or there is a history that will be revealed yeah uh but he like apologizes that he's not swinging by because he's got other matters which is scalping the native character um why did i bring that up i brought that up because for no particular reason Go ahead. <laughs> um, I think you were just noting that, yeah, that maybe we'll get more on his relationship with Dolores because yeah. right now we really just don't. There, he just kind of acknowledges that there is a history. That's right. That's as much interaction as we get between him and the other characters. And mm-hmm. other than that, he's... He's on he's, a, a, an independent quest. Yeah. And there and it's a plot driver more so than a character. He's a mysterious character. Yeah. Absolutely. And I he, think that's fair. Yeah. And he remains mysterious. He's, he's a black hat. But I don't necessarily, he's dressed in black everything, I don't necessarily, or I'm unwilling to say at this point, that he is a villain. He's villainous, but his character, I think, is a lot more complex than that, because it's independent. Yeah. He's a gray hat, like in, in, real, in real life, I think. <laughs> For sure. And that the actual villain, in the conventional terms, who will also be much more complicated, I think, um, but the more conventional villain, I think, is probably... Miss Cullen. But, you know, we don't necessarily live in a world anymore that you actually have to box people into white hats and black hats, so we'll see. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I had a handful of other um, characters that I wanted to make sure we touch on, but they're not huge in the plot of this episode. Um, I feel like they have significant moments, but not ones that I could say a whole lot on. So the first one I'm going to bring up is, I think her name is Elsie Hughes. She is the lady tech who kisses Clementine, the Thanks. prostitute. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at the same time, acknowledging Clementine and Maeve, which is the um, the madam of the brothel. Can we expand on the kiss, though? Because Please. that, to me, was a 
Phil revelatory. set up that whole thing. Yeah, that was a revelatory moment in which uh, the revelation is to me, and we don't get very much out of it, but she's there with Bernard or one of the other techs who they're talking to the prostitute. Yeah, yeah Bernard, because Bernard. that's the scene where they pick up on Ford, uh, Anthony mm-hmm. Hopkins' character that we'll get to momentarily, that we've talked about, um, which is interesting because that's how it goes in the show. Like, there's a lot of talk about him, but you don't get that much of him yet. Um, but they notice that the uh, the physical tick that's in this scene where they say, oh, look how brilliant this is. What an, like, what an artistic touch. Like, this is why Ford is a visionary. Yeah. Uh, and the, you know, they talk, they just sort of talk tech for a bit. Appreciate the work that went into this. And they, this is where we establish it's a reverie, which we already explained. Mm-hmm. He leaves, and in the moment that she has alone, really has a passionate kiss with the android. Who's yeah. very sexy. So, like, I get it. But, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I think that's something they give to, like, the viewer that, yeah, yeah, here's a scene that you might want to see. Mm-hmm. But story, in terms of the storytelling, what I'm picking up here is that this has gotten quite complex. Yeah. Because they're not just robots like old Bill who were introduced to that um, Hopkins character Ford seems to have a um, nostalgic appreciation for his second uh, robot that he ever introduced. He said they broke down constantly. Uh, they would repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. They would get stuck. So before they became ultra sophisticated, they were just like a Disneyland uh, animatronic that was way more sophisticated but still felt animatronic. Was it Old Bill? Was that the name of his? I can't remember. Old Bill, yeah. Old, old Bill. Bill. It's the it's the old cowboy character that like would sit at the saloon and they have a drink together. That Hopkins character still comes and has a drink with Old Bill now and then for some reason until he freezes and says, put yourself away now, Old Bill. And he goes and lays down and zips himself up into his body bag. I just love a toy that puts itself away. That's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> I want. <laughs> so... You know, you see his nostalgia for his own work, which makes sense. But now as it's gotten so complicated, you see this moment where she can't resist but to uh, have this passionate kiss. And, I mean, that's what they do in Westworld. Like, you're supposed to go have sex with the prostitutes. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to get in the gunfights with the bad guy. So it's not a stretch that she would engage or be interested in being a... uh, patron of Westworld but it's not that this is behind closed doors in the lab later that she seems to be moved by this uh, android which I think will be a big theme throughout the rest of the show that I think just is worthy of some specific some very pointed I think it's very uh, very noteworthy that we need to put some really specific attention to and it was I don't know it was just artful I felt like in its in its storytelling Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. That that little thing alone, it's like, oh man, what does this world, what do these androids mean to these people, mm-hmm. and how confusing is it getting for everybody? Absolutely, that's a good point. Cool. Um, so I think that checks all off all of the characters I wanted to talk about. Were there any on your list that we haven't covered? Well, we've mentioned Ford a little bit mm-hmm. and Dolores's dad. We got to talk about oh peter abernathy peter abernathy yeah because he is the first it seems to be kind of self-aware in some capacity um he discovers in the field as he's kind of 
going about his routine there's a picture and it seems like it's a woman with like a cityscape behind her or cars or something like that and he's just baffled by it he shows it to Dolores and she goes you know I I'm not seeing anything you know anything anything I don't see anything yeah she just she does not recognize something that's you know ethereal or out of this world when she looks at it so um you know and we later get a reference to that and it sounds like you know yeah she's just not supposed to not supposed to help him deny that reality she knows she's not supposed to deny that you know to poke holes in the reality that they have yeah well it also follows the kid there's a little kid who runs out to her when she's painting a picture that the parents are saying yeah go like oh, interact yeah. with it's the guest uh, yeah with the wildlife i think mm-hmm. they call them so newcomer kid goes over there and says you're one of them aren't you Mm-hmm. Like you're a robot or whatever. Yeah. And she doesn't, like, she's not even dismissive. She doesn't register, she it. Doesn't register it at all. And then shortly thereafter, she goes home after she's done painting because that's when she wraps up. The kid mm-hmm. asks, are you a robot? And she says, I have to go home now. Yeah. Like, you think that would make her glitch out or something. Yeah. As soon as it happens, it's like she removes herself from it. Mm-hmm. And the picture, what I saw was a picture of a girl, like, at New York City. Like, with New yeah, York City exactly. behind her as a as a tourist. That's what I saw as well. And this was a tourist that came to the park who accidentally left a picture behind, presumably. Mm -hmm. Peter Abernathy catches it and is really fixating on it. And that fixation seems to continue on and on. And you're, you know, what what you described it as self-awareness exactly. uh, That he's he's becoming, that's poking a hole in his reality. Uh, She dismisses it completely and simultaneously... Uh, while this is the first sense of an android becoming self-aware or a host, I should say, should clean up my language, <laughs> a host becoming android and robot. That's very uh, insensitive it's hard, of me yeah. to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very disrespectful. It's uh, so rude. <laughs> Data would be all over this. <laughs> no kidding. Um, he's the one who's demonstrating possible self-awareness. Whereas the other glitches that I don't think we need to get real more specific Mm -hmm. on it than this are glitches that are making guests uncomfortable. Yeah. So they're trying to identify, technically speaking, uh, what is the glitch? So the manager is saying, the executive, Cullen, is saying, pull all the robots. Um, I'm sorry. Pull all the hosts that have had an update because they're saying, well, maybe it's the update that we just did with the reverie. Yeah. So any of them who have this reverie are starting to act a little funny. Mm-hmm. So they want to pull them. So that's what the conflict is this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're pulling some of them and confirm. In fact, that is it. Uh, uh, what's his name? Bernard. Bernard's character goes to talk to uh, Ford. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ford has a great line. I, th- I feel like it's a great line that says so much about Bernard's character. And he says, uh, he says, you don't know what's causing the glitch, huh, Bernard? That's unlike you to have not already figured out what the bug is, which tells me that, or he said, or is that you're too embarrassed to admit what it was? And, and it was an embarrassment. He was saving Ford's ego uh, and saying, hey, actually, it's the reverie that you introduced that fucked up the programming. Yeah. Uh, and he says something about, there's a deep line that I think we'll expand on uh, that we're going to get to a point here as human beings where we might even be able to bring back the dead, uh, which means we're finished as a species. So I think we're alluding to the evolution of AI overtaking humanity. Um, So there's a lot of little nuances in this scene. And then he ends up with, uh, you have to permit an old man a mistake every once in a while. And it's a very just sort of elbow, elbow, a lot of respect between these guys. That went over very well what Bernard was otherwise maybe concerned that he was going to be 
deflating yeah. uh, him. And he just acknowledges, all right, fine. I had an ID and I fucked up. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, afford me some trial and error. Mm. Absolutely. Um, one thing I did want to mention was a quote I really liked from Peter Abernathy. Um, as he was coming unraveled and trying to express it to Dolores, it's before they take him into the lab. Um, he's kind of trying to warn her that something is off. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I asked a question you're not supposed to ask, yeah. and which gave me an answer you're not supposed to know. Yes. And it just unnerved him. So even when they pulled him out of it and reverted him to a prior build, he still had this horror of being self-realized, um, you know, that there wasn't any taking that back, even restoring to a prior version, that he felt a crazy amount of... Um, concern for Dolores um you know and that was something I kind of mentioned earlier that really they should not care much beyond you know what they're programmed to care about he has such an instinctive care for Dolores that he is still freaked out he is aware of what they're doing to her you know he knows what they are he knows what you guys are doing to her he's repelled by it despite the fact that he's been the sheriff in different iterations Mm -hmm. and different storylines despite the fact that he's been a cannibal out in the woods in a different uh iteration uh storyline um and yet in this one he seems to have a genuinely protective sense over dolores Mm -hmm. absolutely so anyway, we've got everything in there. I think that yeah. we, I wanted to address, and thanks for remembering that line because Definitely. that was a big one, and I remember yeah. writing that down myself because that was very important that cool. we got that out. I'm glad you felt that way about it as well. Um, it's funny. Can I say that I think it's funny yeah. when we were going through our character cards and I was making notes on characters. Obviously, Dolores is one that you need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Teddy's one you need to talk about. Obviously, Peter Abernathy is. And then there's an assortment of other characters that I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to write about them. They're just androids. And it's like, they're not characters. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. I'm pretty sure that that's what the show is going to be about. Mm-hmm. Is the evolution into self-awareness. And what mm-hmm. does that say about AI? And yet here I am still saying, yeah, I'm not going to write about them. They don't count. They're robots. They're just computers. I had that thought as well, especially because as they're introduced to us in this episode, they're more plot than they are characters. And so like Hector, for example, he is technically a character, but I put him over in plot because he's, you know, he's one of the adventures you can choose. (laughs) It's funny because my plot, all my cards are more mixed up than they've ever been to. Mm -hmm. Like I've got all sorts of quotes on genre. I got all sorts of quotes under character. Uh, but it was a very plot-heavy show, too, that required a lot of was, attention yeah. if you want to really enjoy it. Which is good to say that, though, that mm-hmm. that the more attention you pay to it, the better you enjoy it. It doesn't become too much work. And I have to say there is a lot I appreciate so much in the rewatch that I didn't... Like, you know, you rewatch something and you assume, like, you're kind of kind of be a little bored by it because you've already seen it. Mm-hmm. And I just have all sorts of an appreciation for what they laid in there so early on. That's a good point because yeah. I was a little bit, not dreading by any stretch, I was a little bit bored by the idea at the beginning of mm-hmm. this. Then, oh, God, I'm going to see this for the I third time. That. I know I like it, but it's like I've started the show three times, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I want to continue with this show. And I'm texting Elise saying, hey, when we wrap up True Blood, can we do this one? <laughs> um, like this one's really worthy of our attention. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't mind me kind of helping to dictate your TV schedule. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's helpful, actually. Good. I, I think it's helpful. I don't know. Maybe she secretly resents you. She's never met you. <laughs> I know, right? I just dictate your TV schedule. That's yeah. all. <laughs> so for the listeners, I've had this girlfriend for since October 
like 10 months now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shmi and Elise have yet to meet. And we discussed this like two weeks ago and, uh, and acknowledged like, look, we, we're friends. You and I are our besties. And mm-hmm. then, and, but we spent a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. So out working on this. So outside Even of before that, we were meeting twice a week right. before this for your work too. Cause right. I was helping you out with that. Totally. <laughs> so outside of these things that we share on the schedule, it's like, Hey, do you want to schedule something outside in addition to like, no, <laughs> like, no, really. <laughs> maybe after we go on season one hiatus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I'd like to think that she's getting to know you a little bit through uh, the TV show choice. Although it is oh, confusing fun. sometimes when I think, yeah, weren't we talking about the show the other day? And if I ever have to ask myself that, it's like, no, no, no. No, nope, probably sure not. If it was a show, I'm sure it was me. Yeah, probably. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the characters, I would highlight uh, Bernard, mm-hmm. Ford, Dolores, Actually, Teddy less so. He's more of a uh, of a plot device. Yeah, he's Absolutely. the white hat. He's the consummate good guy in a show that's that's gray. Yeah, I wanted to say something really quick about him. Um, There's a quote from Dolores where she says that he dresses like a cowboy, but that's about the extent of it. Yeah, <laughs> that he's supposed to represent the white hat, but he is definitely not a, a farmer right. by any means. If he's a it's cowboy, not a I don't know where he fits in yet with. With this, uh, you know, this episode alone, who is he? What is he? If he is not a ca- an actual cowboy, what is he? The good guy. What he, exactly? Just the generic good guy. Exactly. Which is funny because I, he never... Either poor James Marsden or good for you, James Marsden, that he is never quite... He's like the hero, mm-hmm. the leading man of a different... Of, in the wrong era. Mm. You know? Like... Who's the leading man? Cyclops or Wolverine? Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Like we saw how that ended for him. Yeah. In the first 10 minutes of <laughs> number three. You know? Um, he was the leading man in Sugar and Spice, a cheerleading movie. <laughs> Back in the day. But was it he was a boy? Decades was the leading ago. boy? Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he doesn't ever get the girl. Uh, he did. Think, wait, wait, wait. Think, well, you're giving me that example, but think Notebook. <laughs> oh Thank wow God. spoilers <laughs> right. big time ouch and you know i'm not even a movie person that's okay if you have not seen the notebook yet you really need to get a girlfriend fellas oh <laughs> i was like I, I think taylor will take issue with this no uh. <laughs> uh anyway so it's it's funny that he is like look at him he is the mm-hmm. consummate hero and he's never your conventional hero yeah he always a little bit performs not performs but never quite gets the due that you would expect him to get yeah even here as the good guy it's like yeah it's a good guy in a hbo max show so you know we ain't got room for that shit here we've got him in something else recently do you remember yeah um uh dead to me yes you're good okay (laughs) (laughs) he plays two characters in that if we want to get all technical (laughs) one's a douchebag and one's a moron I love it. <laughs> <laughs> see? Um, anyway, it's always a pleasure to see him, though. It is, always. But you're right. Where exactly does he fit in? Because mm-hmm. the real characters that you're looking at, not the real ones, but the, the ones that move the plot forward Absolutely. at this point. Uh, Ed Harris is an enigma. That's the word for his character, I feel like. He's an enigma mm-hmm. at this point. Good point. Um, Ford is deep and rich and fascinating and tortured. Uh, Bernard is brilliant uh, and the, kind of the key mover, like the, the main 
antagonist, I feel like, making things happen. Mm-hmm. Cullen's a fascinating character that I want to know about. Yeah. She had some really kind of on-the-nose dialogue that mm-hmm. ordinarily comes off as, like, too theatrical or kind of yeah. kind of bitchy. And, and I'm listening to her deliver the dialogue thinking, nope, I was convinced, though. Damn, mm-hmm. you're good. Damn. Like, if you just deconstructed the dialogue when she's having the writer eat her shit, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of... Like I said, it's a little on the nose. Yeah. And yet, she's just so good in this role and so mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. She's very commanding. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I did want to, while we're on her, I did want to um, comment on one of her quotes that I really liked, which was, if he has so much as an unscripted sneeze, I want to know about it, which I really liked because you realize just how much everything needs to be within a certain set of behaviors that have been programmed. Mm-hmm. And if it is outside of that, it should be alarming. She's got a lot, a lot of liability. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, every time she walks into the room and takes executive control, um, she's always pretty on the nose. She's pretty sharp with, uh, take them out. If they've had a an update, take them out. Yeah. Uh, they say, well, that's 10%. That's 200 androids and a bunch of interconnected stories. you have any idea how hard this will be to script a new thing? And frankly, that's coming from a writer. And it's mm-hmm. like, I uh, don't really care. Script a new thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she realizes... <laughs> I've, I've expressed to you that this is something with my job. I don't think she realizes the technical difficulties of that ask and that it actually is fundamental to the way that their business operates, that she listens to him. That's all. But, but no, that's fair. That's a really good point. But what does he, how does he respond? He gives her a dramatic, diva, uh, explosive response. Uh, whereas the response should have been, um, Miss Cullen, that's an incredibly tall order that mm-hmm. you're asking of us. That is... Um, there are major technical limitations to what we can do with the way that the uh, storylines interconnect. So we need to have a plan. You cannot just pull them out. Uh, and then we could have brainstormed a solution. Instead, he has this this freak out moment. Um, well, and it is, it's because it's e- it is so much about his ego. Yes. And I think you've nailed it. Like, yes. it really is a bit about his ego. It's not just the technical. Because what she is saying is not... it. I think that it is a big ask. What she is asking him to do is crazy big. Like, if you think about how that thing is built and how intricate storylines are and how fundamental it all making sense would probably make to, you know, how how fundamental that would be to those androids functioning properly Mm -hmm. and not getting confused when they have to improvise a little, which is, you know, part of the, the thing. Like... That's why it's this bad. Like she at one point um, in response to this going so off the rails, it said, this isn't an improvisation. This is a shitstorm." storm. <laughs> <Like>, yeah. <laughs> minor. That she says they're supposed to be able to do minor improvisations. Mm-hmm. Where the f- did this come from? Mm-hmm. But to, you know, I understand the limit. What you're saying, it's a good point. It is funny that, that you mentioned that. And this is the conversation that we started with when we sat down just on, you know, how you been? How mm-hmm. was your last week? Yeah. Uh, talking about being the technical mind versus the, the management mm-hmm. who's got some really clear vision and is good mm-hmm. at, in, you know, in command, um, but doesn't speak the language of his team very well. Yeah. Compliments to her in the way the actress presents this. Mm-hmm. She comes in, she's precise. Yeah. And she's decisive. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it was the right call. Yeah. But what were the what are the logistics of that decision to make to execute that order? Uh, and that's where it would have been, you know, I don't know, in a different world, 
on this on the set of the Enterprise, uh, we would have sat around discussing how do we get this happen, and everybody would have done it in a really peaceful, harmonious way, and it would have been a great exercise in teamwork. Yeah. But, <laughs> but this is HBO Max, bitches. Bitches. <laughs> anyway, the characters I'm very compelled by, very very compelled by. They're all deep and rich, even the ones that are mere uh, algorithms. Yeah. I like that. Cool. So, same for me. Total pass. Uh, they were all very intriguing and made me want to come back for more. So, what more can you ask for? Who could ask for anything more? Um, so, that brings us on to purple card plot. The plot card. P for purple. P for plot. Plotty purple. Just plodding along here. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you begin? Um. Let's see here. So, I guess... There were a couple plot threads that I have noticed that I feel like will be kind of uh, the bigger plot that we've been talking about. So one piece of that, um, in no particular order, is um, Peter Abernathy, Dolores' dad, kind of coming unraveled and getting some self-awareness. Um, and obviously he, we see by this episode, he is... Episode. By this episode, he is retired. Um, you know, put away into a warehouse, a creepy-ass warehouse. Yeah, so creepy. <laughs> he warehouses himself. <laughs> Puts himself away. Sheds a tear and warehouses himself. Um, but I imagine, like, it sets a theme of, hey, people are starting... You know, these androids are starting to become self-aware. We've made them so advanced that it's becoming problematic like especially with these reveries um which seem to give a connection to the prior builds which is you know outside of this current program which would cause some improvisations that you would not want you know if it's not part of the current script you probably it's going to be an outlier that you don't want (laughs) so i think that that's going to be uh you know without spoiling too much that's a big piece of this um and then the other piece of it was, um, I guess, twofold. So seeing the deeper level to this game, so the Man in Black's piece, um, which I think will either be hand-in-hand hand with or we'll see how it mm, compares to um, what management sees this world as being. So basically, we're just going to see what the purpose of this world really is because if, if it's not the surface thing, what it says it is, um, you know, I'm definitely interested to see what else, what other benefits this gives. Um, so that, that, that was my plot. What do yeah. you have? Uh, well, I'm going to say something that you already know and the listeners already know to help keep me uh, concise about what sure. I want to say, which is that plot, when we review the plot, mm-hmm. the plot we are referring to is the overarching plot of yeah. the series as a whole. Where are we going after the pilot? Mm-hmm. Does the pilot make clear the direction of the storyline so that we have an idea of why we would be coming back, what we're going to expect to come? Absolutely. So I want, with that uh, laid out, mm-hmm. uh, I would like to point out a couple of the points. Some of them are going to repeat what you already said. Okay. Um, that the plot that the pilot gives us, that the series premiere gives us. Premiere. <laughs> uh, that tells us where we're going. And they're not even necessarily clues so much as they're nuggets, right? Here's the yeah. nuggets that they're laying for us so that we stay intrigued by the mystery, how they lay out the mystery for us. Uh, and that is that management has a deeper, maybe more sinister mm-hmm. interest in the park. Yeah. Uh, there is a mysterious bigger picture, and bigger picture is a quote from Cullen. Uh, management's interest in the bigger picture. Absolutely. Uh, there is Man in Black, Ed Harris' character, 
when he refers, when he tells us just very directly, there is a deeper level to this game. And he is the only one playing the actual game. Mm -hmm. So he is a, he is, I would think, you know, the inner world and the outer world, right? Like the outer world is the real world Mm -hmm. that manages Westworld. And Westworld is the inner world. So the outer world is drawing our attention to the mystery, the bigger picture, right? And the inner world, we're seeing what that looks like in Westworld what's the bigger picture that's hidden in Westworld through the man in black's character and his journey. Um, the reveries, there's a point that Ford references the reverie or in reference to the reveries when he realizes by talking to, uh, Dolores's dad, Peter, what's Peter's last name? Abernathy. Yeah. Peter Abernathy. Um, when he's realizing in his conversation with Peter Abernathy, Oh, you're drawing back to it, but you're quoting Shakespeare. You're doing all these weird things that are making us so uncomfortable are each one of them. Maybe there's nothing to it. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Oh, no, they're not becoming self-aware. They're uh, they're just the reveries are causing them to draw back on fragments of other storylines that we've had. Prior builds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he says that the reveries are simply our old work coming back to haunt us. It's not quite so simple. Yes, true. Mm -hmm. But maybe not quite so simple. Right. So. So that's going to be, I don't know that that's part of the bigger picture. I don't think yeah. it is. I think that complicates the bigger picture. That sure. complicates uh, matters as a whole. And the last point that I uh, listed here, which we discussed at length, was a symbol of the map or maze and the scalp of the native host. So that map is a map for him where he's going next, which will lead us to the eventual mystery, I think. Um, so we actually have a real physical roadmap that's going to take us from mystery to revelation whatever that is that's the plot as the pilot has uh made it seem to me okay yeah that's fair and i think really compelling stuff yeah like really compelling stuff and i've never seen anything like it it Mm -hmm. reminds me a little bit of fantasy island which i've actually never seen ricardo montalban so i know a lot about it I mean, I know something about it, um, <laughs> but it reminds me a little bit of that. So, like, you've seen n- n- things that are maybe a little bit similar, um, but I haven't seen this. And I haven't seen a story like this that presents it with so much nuance. depth and nuance. And it's really rich in the way it's presented. It's mm-hmm. really it's, it's good. And it's beautiful, too. So Like, pretty. just to top it all off. So, yeah, it's it's very exciting, honestly. Um you know, if there wasn't so many, if there weren't so many other wonderful things to watch and so much I haven't seen, I would be rewatching this after this episode. Mm-hmm. I really would. It's so good. Um, yeah, I, the plot absolutely gets a pass for me. I would say it's probably, mm, it's one of its strongest suits. Um, genre being uh, slightly, I mean, genre was just so, so clear. Clear from and well defined. Yeah. yeah, but plot otherwise. Um, Let, just like where they're going with this, what what they're intending to, not even what they're intending to do, how compelling it is. Because yeah. let's let's not pretend like I knew going through this the first watch through, or had any idea where they were going, what they were doing with this. In fact, looking ahead to my pink slash red card, whatever you want to call it, let's do it, salmon. But go ahead. <laughs> this is the age old question: man versus woman. What do you call this color? <laughs> <laughs> salmon. 
Right. Um, so I put what in the flying F is going on um, is what I would have liked to know. Um, because there was just so much, go- you know, like there were so many little threads going on. And while it was they make it clear what's happening in this current episode, the bigger picture, you know, that it's just a tiny piece of it. And you just want to know what that bigger picture is. So um, I became very quickly obsessed with that puzzle and mystery um, of what is this place really? And um you know asking myself questions like okay so do we feel bad for the hosts should we feel bad for the hosts are they kind of people or you know it was it was a fun game to play and i enjoyed being a part of it so yeah and it's an interesting question too because mm-hmm. they get rebuilt every time like they're really there's no harm no foul mm-hmm. like there's really no harm no foul yeah. other than they're enslaved and they if are. they're if they're becoming self-aware then the problem isn't that people act out horrible fetishistic fantasies on them mm-hmm. the problem is that they don't have a choice but to be participants in it yeah which is in itself i mean if you look at the surface of it oh yeah you get shot in the face every day ah, yeah no big deal they build a new face for him he's fake it's a fake face uh no harm no foul but you're not allowed to reach past your programming which we see mm-hmm. in the very final moments dolores after they tell us Dolores has been rebuilt so many times mm-hmm. that she's practically brand new, but don't let it fool you. She is the oldest host in this park. Yep. She's old, reliable, and she gives this monologue uh, mm-hmm. narration about how beautiful the world is. So she's just programmed to be light. They mention whether or not the experience with her dad telling her, no, 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 there's a deeper picture here. There is There, there are questions that we should not ask and answers that uh, we are not to have. Uh, somebody asks any risk that this uh, affected her core code and nope it's all clear she's clean she's ready to go she's our most reliable host here Mm -hmm. and in the very final moments the fly where we open when we first open up there's a fly in the lab that lands on her head and Mm -hmm. walks around her face and she's unmoved by by it and in the very end yeah in the very end she whacks the fly on her neck and kills it so she is perhaps self-aware. She just became self-aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to be too technical, because I don't know if that matters, but no, apparently... No, it was very much symbolism throughout the no, whole No, no, that's for sure. I was going to bring up the point where the core code... Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if uh, that's a throwaway line or if that's telling you what happened here is that it affected her core code. Uh, mm-hmm. So not to be too technical in that aspect. Because yeah. it's beside the point. Whatever's going on here, there was an evolution that their most reliable... Dolores, their most reliable host, uh, just experienced it too. And it is what we think it is. That's true. Very telling for Mm -hmm. the season, perhaps the series to come. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, you were saying that this is a very plot-driven show. You said the genre was very strong. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, I'm going to accept what you said. Mm -hmm. I agree. All these things were strong. All the individual elements were strong. But I think it might be safe to say that some shows are character driven mm-hmm. and some shows are plot driven. Mm-hmm. And this one scored highly with us in both. Oh, yeah. Yet it is the plot mm-hmm. that you're really, really interested in. Oh, yeah. Even though these characters are rich and deep and interesting that you want to know more about, you want to know more about them as it affects the bigger picture. I was picture. just going to say, I care about Dolores, but I really care about her more, not because she's not quite a character. It, I don't totally. want to like say she's not. But I do want to understand how she informs the mystery. Mm-hmm. How she informs the world we're in. How does she fit into the bigger mm-hmm. picture? Exactly. So absolutely all day long for me, the hook, and I am hooked by it, is mm-hmm. 
I want to know what the bigger picture is. I want to know what the deeper level is. Mm-hmm. I want to know what the big reveal is. Yeah. How many episodes is it going to take me? Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it was the same for me. So it got a pass for me on hook. But we're not finished. Oh, oh yeah. Because that's right. Because that's just the episode we watched today. But today we are also summing up our experience and our shows with HBO Max in our HBO Max showdown as a whole. Yeah. So if you just fast forwarded to this point from the beginning of the episode, good job. You're really, you really got lucky on that one. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, you tune into <laughs> the perfect part because now we're going to do it. Yeah. So HBO Max, keep or cancel? Do, 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 do. Um, for me, it's definitely going to be a keep. Um, and honestly, not just the shows we did during our showdown. Um, there were a couple of them, you know, Raised by Wolves, we didn't handle during our actual showdown. But show. God, it's so good. And, you know, there will be more episodes. Um, we didn't really talk about a structure for going through this, but I'd kind of like to highlight the episodes that we have covered so far that are HBO Max. So if you haven't given those a check yet, uh, you know, go ahead and listen to those and see what you think if you would cancel or keep. But so the ones we did were the flight attendants, um, in no particular order, apparently, uh, friends, <laughs> sex in the city, raised by wolves, Barry, Harley Quinn, Avenue five made for love hacks, his dark materials, true blood and Westworld. Now, and to be clear, some of those, not, not just the first one you mentioned, but some of the, not just raised by wolves, mm-hmm. several of those we had done. Outside, yeah, outside yeah. of our thing. So, Friends was our second episode that we did. That one, you know, is exclusively found on HBO Max now, um, is my understanding. Uh, yeah, right. Things change all the time, so tomorrow it could be different. Don't hold me to it. Maybe next year when their contract runs out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that uh, where we... I was actually sold a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it was when we were talking about HBO Go versus HBO Now that mm-hmm. led to HBO Max and remembered, man, HBO Max really is new. Yeah. And even though the interface is often problematic in the volume and a lot of stuff about the app itself, it's clean, it's easy enough, like it's hard to fuck up, but yeah. don't expect too much from it. It ain't Netflix which has mastered the platform, mm-hmm. the software. It is not as fine a piece of functioning software as Netflix. Yeah. It's not. But HBO... When we were talking about the old versions of the app and realizing, oh, actually, these guys are making a big splash pretty mm-hmm. early on. Because I only found HBO Max is a year old. Yeah. Just about a year old. Because I remember March. Yeah, it was March 2020 that uh, I was in California for a work thing, for a awards thing. Uh, and it was a real estate thing. And one of the realtors there... You know, she's a real realtor when she's not getting acting gigs and had a role in an HBO Max um, low budget movie. And I haven't seen it and I can't remember what it's called. But at the time when they were explaining it to me, I thought, oh, okay, so it's like a HBO Max indie. The HBO is like an indie thing or HBO mm-hmm. Max is. And it's like a it's like a skin of Max. It's a late night know sexy thing that she's in sure little surprise everybody's telling us that we should watch her (laughs) and her parents were there who were the broker owners who were saying yeah she's in this thing and i'm thinking i think it's kind of weird that you're advertising her skinamax thing so it hadn't launched yet though so that was my first uh knowing about it so we went from hbo now hbo now hbo go being total clusterfuck nightmares 
to Let's Consolidate, to uh, HBO Max, and realizing how far they had come and how well they had branded it now to the point that we've done eight episodes in a row specifically on how do we feel about the quality of HBO Max had won me over. Made me think, okay, whatever you think about it right now, which I actually think there's a lot of great stuff on there. There's a history of HBO, which frankly, before there was Netflix, there was HBO, right? Mm -hmm. There was adult, uh, there was intelligent adult drama, an intelligent adult comedy that broke past the broadcast TV tropes and yeah, formulas it was where the good tv content first came from mm-hmm. the the one that we consider now where it's you know our bad guys are very fleshed out that we feel like they think that they're the good guy Sopranos. like mm-hmm, yeah absolutely so before there was anybody else there was hbo and mm-hmm. uh and there seemed like they're a little bit they were a little bit they could have been a little quicker maybe uh, or maybe not but i feel like uh they're demonstrating that not only were we here first, but we we're going to be here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Because great content comes out of HBO. So I was sold then, uh, not to spoil the ending, but by the time we were getting mm-hmm. to Westworld, I was like, yeah, what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah. I'm watching True Blood at home right now. I want to watch Westworld next. I'm, I'm binging hacks. I mean, <laughs> I already binged Made for Love. Like everything on this list, I've either binged or I'm anticipating. <laughs> so it is our professional recommendation that you keep HBO Max and consider it one of the... Staples. Yeah, one, yeah, totally. One of the ones, and even now, while there's a question, is the app good enough to keep? Mm-hmm. Is there enough content there? It is one of the ones to look out for. Yeah, you know, with your subscription, they might make enough money to pay that copywriter just a little bit better, um, you know, and maybe even pay somebody separate to yeah. do, you know, the so that there's tech not stuff. Just three employees <laughs> at HBO Max. Yeah, yeah. Um, some things I'm looking forward to uh, coming up on HBO Max soon would be the new season of Harley Quinn, so season three of that, as well as Barry Westworld's coming out with their new one soon, I think. Um, they haven't announced a date, but I think 2022 is what they were saying, um, that we should expect a new season of that. I'm dying for you to catch up on that because, like I told you, um, what's-his-face from Breaking Bad is on it. <laughs> Jesse. Oh, fun. <laughs> Jesse Pinkman. Is he a moron? Uh, not a moron, but he definitely seems a fish out of water. Is he a newcomer? He's a... Mm, well, we're past that. Okay, don't spoil it. We'll talk later. Yeah, I was like, that's a... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a loaded it's an question. interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and then there's always Sex in the City, which is like my friends, you know? Like, Friends, Sex in the City, it's one you'll just rewatch often. And they have a decent amount of... Um, a decent library of shows that have that rewatchability. Well, and they have a deep library of shows that... I think a lot of us missed. Like if you didn't subscribe to HBO, Mm -hmm. uh, but now it's so accessible. There's all these shows that you missed. Like I didn't see, we didn't have HBO growing up. So you didn't see the Sopranos. I didn't see whatever the other ones were. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't either for sure. And you know, it always, it's always weird to me when people are like, well, you never saw the Sopranos. I was like, what in the, Frick, was I supposed to see that? That wasn't during my time. Like, <laughs> we didn't even have local channels for most of your childhood. You're a 90s kid. What are you coming at me for? You shouldn't know what that is. <laughs> oh, it sounds like your grandparents raised you. Yeah, right. Affording premium TV like that. 
So do you want to tell the good people what we are watching next? Oh, I should be the one to do this. <laughs> you should, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Star Trek Voyager. It's been 10 episodes since our last outing into the final frontier. That's true. <laughs> uh-huh. And since we are going backward, uh, we are getting to the real meat of the Berman era. Uh, so, so it's uh, Star Trek Voyager next week. Caretaker parts one and two. Excellent. That'll be great. And we, I will be catching that on Netflix, but you can also tune in on Paramount Plus to find the episode as well. And it's a two-parter, so it'll be a long one for us. Yeah, it'll be an hour and a half. That'll be a Sunday episode for us. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, we will... Not be seeing you guys probably very much, but you'll be hearing from us next week. In the meantime, go take a look at the library of other content that we've already prepared for you. Anywhere you can find podcasts, uh, most notably our favorite, Spotify. Um, you could go to at Pilots the Podcast on Facebook, at Pilots Podcast on Instagram, at Pilots the Pod on Twitter, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> also, Send us an email, pilotsthepodcast at gmail.com. That's pilotsthepodcast at gmail.com. Probably the best way to get a hold of us is send us some hate mail, some nice mail. Recommendations. Corrections. Yeah, neutral (laughs) mail. Yeah, some nitpicky mail. Yeah, come on, fans, nerds, come on. Speak (laughs) up, nerds. Thank you. Speak up, nerds. Ooh, we should have a segment called Speak Up, Nerds. (laughs) (laughs) Nerds speak. Yeah, it's funny, too, to not be hearing... You know the nerds that we heard loudest from? Mm. Farscape. Farscape. We, not our homies. We reviewed your fucking show like anybody else. I don't know if they understood that we were new to it. I think they, they, they missed the premise of what we were doing, which was discovering something that more people should know about and we wanted to bring the attention to that and they're like mm, you guys don't know nothing about our thing they're yep. nothing like peter quill it's a whole different vibe yep farscapers i am a tricorder carrying member of one of the meanest fan bases in yeah, the world and you guys are worse yeah is that possible oh they're so much worse hmm. so you got three seasons four i guess and I was even like a, a some a, a soft fan in the nineties. Yeah, I mean it was a kid, but it's like it's like we did your show. <laughs> yeah, well, and had like, an appreciation you, for it even. Yeah, like ha- totally, we liked it. So we did your show. Uh, maybe the best chance of getting a reboot of your show is to like get some more exposure on it to some casual fans. Yeah, and I know nerds hate hearing that, but you could still make it hella nerdy, but maybe introduce some more people to it yeah you're welcome don't make it so inaccessible (laughs) to other people like other people can love it for different reasons than the reason you loved it and it can still be great for both of those reasons they're not mutually exclusive totally yeah totally well we will be seeing each other next week and you'll be hearing from us next week thusly (laughs) Uh thusly i'm Riker, and i'm shmi and this is pilots (laughs) 